you have DEFCON and B-Sides leading into it. So B-Sides is Tuesday, Wednesdays. Black Hat is Wednesday, Thursday. And then you have DEFCON, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I ended up finding myself in fantastic conversations until about 3 or 4 a.m. most mornings. I managed to see the sunrise Sunday yesterday morning before catching one or two hours sleep and then continuing on. Hello and welcome to Password123, a cyber podcast produced by UNSW Canberra. In this podcast, we explore a range of topics from the world of cyber and speak to some of the most influential figures in the InfoSec community. My name is Tom Sear, and I'm an industry fellow at UNSW Canberra Cyber at the Australian Defence Force Academy. This episode features a real-time review of DEFCON 27. DEFCON is the world's largest and longest-running hacker conference and it happens in Las Vegas every year. Director and Principal Consultant at Mercury Information Security Services, Edward Farrell, gave me a call soon after the conference finished. Edward has been a pen tester for 10 years. Edward also leads courses with us here at UNSW Canberra Cyber. I caught up with him when he was in the lounge at Los Angeles Airport, about to catch a flight home to Australia. Great. Well, thanks very much for um, doing our review for Password 123 of uh, DEFCON 27. Um, <laughs> could, you, could we maybe rewind back and explain to those that the five people in the world that don't know what DEFCON is, um, what exactly it is? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so DEFCON is a cybersecurity conference uh, that's held annually in Las Vegas every year. Uh, that's become a bit of a, a mecca for uh, the, the hacker community. Um, so it was originally started by a guy called uh, Jeff Moss you know, 27 years ago, uh, where it was just a meetup of, uh, of folks that were using uh, one of these bulletin board systems and they said, hey, look, let's have a meetup and discuss a few things. And then the, the actual event started to, to grow from there. Um, so... This year, uh, we had uh, they had about twenty six thousand people uh, attend uh, across oh yeah, across the the four days, um, uh, and that was then held separately over uh, four casinos that were were connected. Um, I think the the total distance end to end was about one point five one point six kilometers. Um, so it was uh, an impressive layout and, um, yeah, massive. And you're saying you, you aren't feeling too bad. I, I note that you, you uh, posted before you left a, a guide to self-care at DEFCON. Uh, have you followed that guide and has it worked mm. out uh, well for you? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, I probably didn't take as much time to unwind as I uh, I, I should have. So, um, uh, so uh, I ended up finding myself in fantastic conversations until about 3 or 4 a.m. most mornings. Um, I managed to see the sunrise uh, on Sunday yesterday morning before catching one or two hours sleep um, and then continuing on uh, throughout Sunday. But, um, yeah, it's, I guess that's one of the things uh, with this space is uh, once you start getting sucked into um, 
into these little wonderful crevices, one of these little crevices of uh, of knowledge, you, uh, you 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 dive deep. Uh, actually, one of my so one of my fondest memories was about eight or nine years ago during one of my first conferences, where uh, it's about eleven p.m. in a bar and we're all looking at the the badges that were just being given, and uh, collectively we start calculating what exactly is going on with uh, with the badges and. Uh, spend the next three or four hours trying to solve problems, and uh, I think that's you know one of the reasons why I like uh, well, why I keep coming back uh, to the place. But um, yeah, for a self care standpoint, um, I I get better every year, but uh, I think there's always the the limitation to um, to to what you can do as a uh, as a human, and there's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And you mentioned badges, so uh, badges are obviously a big thing with cons and. How is the badge at DEFCON this year? What's your review of that? <laughs> um, the the badge was was interesting. So Joe Grant, who uh, who designs badges, I took one of his courses back in 2014. Um, so the badge actually uh, has um, the badge allows attendees to communicate with other attendees' badges over um, over NFC. And the the entire challenge of being able to uh, to, to interact with all all of the attendees um, was was interesting. Um, I have uh, a project to dive into the hardware they've, uh, they've delivered for that, along with another 25 projects uh, that I've lined myself up with uh, for this year. In fact, I started writing out my to-do list um, uh, on the, the just before the, uh, the flight out of... Uh, Las Vegas, uh, whilst everything is still fresh in my head, um, and while my notes were, you know, were still able to make sense, so um, the, uh, the the badge is uh, is on um, uh, is on that list. What what was peculiar though, and uh, I think it kind of was peculiar with the DefCon culture and the the environment they create was um, also watching some of the counterfeit badges come out. All right. Um, so Saturday night, a couple of kids. Uh, showed us a um, uh, one of the counterfeit badges that they were able to make uh, just using some um, uh, using a hot glue gun and some foil uh, and, and just just off doing that uh, they they made a an impressive forger and I think that's kind of the, the culture and the environment uh, that you're in is uh, people who will find ways to circumvent things and you know if it's done in the the spirit of scientific hooliganism it's a um, you know, it, it's a fantastic little outcome because you know this is how we exactly. Innovate. And um, what what's at the top of your to do list? If you're able to say, do you have any? What's the thing you want to tackle first? Or uh, yeah, so um, I started uh, so just before DefCon, I was at uh, B Sides Las Vegas, which is the event leading into it. It's a slightly smaller conference, um, interesting bunch of people, uh, and I actually spent the, the Thursday. Uh, doing some training activities. Uh, one was uh, was a, a threat hunting activity that was organised by uh, a gentleman based out of um, uh, out of California. Uh, that was just four hours of awesomeness, and I, I think that's probably started to to shape and um, give me some thoughts on how we evolve some of our testing methodologies within my company, uh, as well as um, uh, the the guys from uh, Elastic Stack. Um, have uh, well, they took us through uh, 
a couple of new things that are going on uh, within the, the Elastic Stack uh, suite of products, and that that was uh, incredible. I mean, the, the fact that you have that much information, that much power behind uh, that technology, and it's it's all open source, um, it is phenomenal. So I'm keen to see what yeah, I can it's, do. It's able that. to store quite a lot of Beyond logs, isn't it? Elastic Search. Well, it's it's not just the the storage. It's how how do you collect. How do you store, and then how do you present that information? Right. Um, and then even on top of that, uh, I've also been taking notes of the talks that I didn't go to see. Of right, well, here was a talk on um, uh, how to employ uh, GraphQL and uh, a couple of other visualization tools that um, uh, that allow us to to better see and, and be informed by um, be informed by uh, you know what is actually occurring, uh, you know, in an environment or, or or whatever else. So it's um, that I think is going to be really interesting. I've um, you know I've, I've got the next you know few months to be playing with uh, with that and many other things. And what are, I mean, it's a lot of the publicity that we see um, from DefCon is all the new the new gadgets, many of which we've seen before anyway, or new toys um, mm-hmm. and hacking tools. Is there anything that really Wow, do when you're walking that one point three kilometres or whatever? Um, yeah, so there there was actually probably wasn't necessarily the tools, but stuff that people turned up with um, that caught my eye. So, look, my goals this year were really to do that hands-on piece on Thursday with those two two courses, but also to participate in the wireless uh, CTF. So, you know, lecturing as I do down at the um, the academy. Uh, and that kind of being my subject, I'm, I just wanted to see where I could improve things. And some of the uh, the hardware setups individuals had put together uh, were were impressive. Um, so uh, there were there's actually two individuals I'm going to be catching up with after this who uh, have designed uh, specific platforms for uh, for doing uh, an activity called fox hunting. That is. Uh, trying to identify where a, a physical device is uh, based on uh, what it's emanating over over Wi-Fi. Um, there's there were also two other interesting tools. In fact, I ordered the hardware for um, uh, for a, a Zigbee uh, testing tool that uh, was, I believe, it was uh, put together by the guys from uh, Bishop Fox. So I'm. Um, I just ordered the hardware for that, um, so I'm going to have a look at that. There was also uh, another one called Wi-Fi Kraken, uh, which is actually looking at all right, how do we collect data and uh, process it at scale, which uh, as we start to move into uh, 802.11 AC and 5 mm-hmm. gigahertz, this has actually been one of my struggles uh, within uh, my some of my own platforms that I build is how do we explore and, and do and look for uh, a lot of these Wi-Fi networks that are, are operating at um, at the five gigahertz mm. band. And how do you do it? Uh, you know, how do you, you know, what's the sort of technology you need to employ? That's that. That'll be one that is also yeah. uh, one of many on my my list uh, of. Um, and what was the trick of that uh, particular? Of that was research. a device, was it? <clears throat> um. So the the actual Wi-Fi um, 
so the the Wi-Fi Kraken. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't make the uh, the talk, but as I, if I understand correctly, the uh, individual who uh, engineered it, as opposed to uh, relying on USB cards, um, uh, they were they were they had a specific hardware setup that actually allowed you to. How do I go into this uh, and still keep it high level? So if you look at it. There's lots and lots of frequencies uh, in the in the five um, gigahertz part of the uh, of uh, in the five gigahertz band of the eight hundred two eleven um, uh, of the uh, eight hundred two eleven standard. So, effectively, to to capture, detect, and to do capture and uh, identify. Um, identify say with just one card it means that you're having to hop frequencies every say five right. seconds so multiply that across uh all of the uh channels that you know exist and um you know you could be there for a few minutes while you wait to get through all the all of the um all the frequencies right. so if we can get multiple um multiple receivers uh set up on the one computer that just collates all that yep. data uh we're going to stand a better chance of being able to, to get that information and we're going to stand a better chance of being able to identify um capture and then analyze the data that was captured to generate something meaningful now the, the issue here is all right being able to do that uh with you know without buying really really expensive hardware uh, becomes problematic and and actually come to think that there was also Another interesting gadget that's also on my research list that was um, uh, uh, on display in the, the Wi-Fi village. So, uh, you know, I guess this is always one of those things uh, at a place like DEFCON is um, you don't actually get the full download right. here. For me, it's uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, 15, 20-minute spiels on uh, technologies that I'll, I'll be going off and exploring. And I guess at that at that higher level, um, what is the I guess what's the what's the vibe at this at this DefCon? Um, is it, it is it it's different, obviously, to everyone you go to, and you've been to a few. Mm-hmm. Um, what's particular about this one? Is there any particular mood or any particular issue that people were targeting? Or um, I think there were a, a few. Um, there are a few things there. I think one of the things that you've observed with uh, DEFCON over the years is that now that it is so big, there are conferences within conferences. Um, and, and so being able to get a, a, a single line issue or a this is us has, or this is where we have gone has been difficult. And just the, the sheer number uh, of uh, events and stories that are at this event uh, make it difficult to to really pinpoint one thing. Now that that being said, I, I think there were two big areas that were a, a, an interesting takeaway. The first uh, was uh, the election hacking village, right, yeah. um, more more so because that looks at at really two areas. One is uh, in the US, the use of uh, electronic voting machines um, is problematic. And last year, I believe it was last year or the year before. Uh, Someone purchased a hardware, um, a an election hardware machine, and were able to 
dump private records. Um, and, and similarly, uh, other machines have been acquired and, and explored at this event. And, you know, some of the information coming out of that, uh, you know, includes uh, use of operating systems that have been maintained for the last 15 years um, through to records being stored. So I think the election piece will be interesting, especially going into the US 2020 election and, and what does this mean for them? Um, so DARPA, I think DARPA tested yeah. um, the new Sith technology with the new piece of hardware. Didn't they expose some of the code and, and the hardware to adversarial attacks to see how vulnerable it, it was? Is that right? I'd, I would right. be too sure. Um, but I, I do know that, and this is also another item on my research list, is um, there was discussion of a, an open source uh, implementation of, a, of, a, of an electoral system uh, that was present in the village, and that's going to be something uh, that is also uh, on my reading list uh, for the next few um, That's few interesting. Weeks. So um, it's secure by its open source nature in a sense. Well, the... Yeah, well, so the, the, the premise here is that uh, many eyes make bugs shallow. And so if um, we already had this in um, the, the, RF, the RFC process, uh, which has been occurring in, in academic circles for, uh, for decades, is an RFC will be published and then off the back of that RFC, um, individuals can provide commentary and say, well, this is where some improvements need to be made. Um, we've then seen that. Uh, adopted into the, the concept of bug bounties, where uh, individuals, um, you know, from the, the wider community, uh, will be able to freely explore a an organisation's uh, digital infrastructure off the back of that, um, identify vulnerabilities, and, and get paid for it. Yeah, because like the, in Australia, like it's not really like we have web voting in New South Wales, for example, and and there's some some of mm. that in the ACT as well. Um, and it's not really exposed to that, to that sort of oversight at all, and any work that's been done, and it has exposed some serious vulnerabilities, and it mm. has sort of been done inadvertently. Yeah, yeah. Well, not so. Um, in terms of public published information uh, on the uh, Australian system, there, uh, there there were two key events that had happened. One was twenty eleven. Uh, whether it was the initial identification of some concern. And then again in 2015, Vanessa Teague uh, from Melbourne had identified uh, even more concerns with uh, with some of the technology in place. They had the the idea goes that had both of the had the systems uh, for the election been exposed prior to an election in, in both of those, uh, there wouldn't be as many issues. Now we're going into we didn't really see any issues with the state election uh, in New South Wales in March, um, but I, I do understand that that system will now be uh, open sourced and that will be open for public review to to identify uh, vulnerabilities. But that that's still yet. Oh, to be that's seen. interesting. I hadn't heard that, so that's good news. Um, uh, I guess because they just had a quite a big report in New South Wales about how to respond to that because they do want to roll it out, as you know, much more extensively. Mm. Um, a lot of people do use it in the state mm. elections in New South Wales. It's, at one point it was more than Estonia, I think, so um, <laughs> if that's possible. <laughs> so um, mm. it is an issue we need to look at. So, um, yeah, the good old hacking village. Mm. I, I think in 2017 they rickrolled one of those machines as well. Um, 
Yeah, well, um, in fact, I, I was just going through uh, Twitter before we had a, a chat, and they uh, they put um, uh, Nine Cat on one of the uh, the election machines, which was best hang. But I think that's also you know, I, I used the term before of scientific hooliganism. Um, you know that that's fairly much what um, you know what this entire event is is about is um, you know breaking stuff down to you know, understand to learn and then, you know, maybe even making something better or, or repurposing, uh, technology, um, you know, for something that isn't necessarily it's, uh, it's intended use. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's been a, um, you know, a hallmark of the event and the, uh, the election village had certainly continued it. And one of your goals was capture the flag as well. I don't know if you got to spend any time working on that one. I got to do two hours, so um, I managed to tag in with a, a team of guys from, um, I can't remember where they were from, but uh, just ran into them in the, the hallway outside the wireless village, and uh, I spent about two hours with them on Friday morning, um, and I managed to get two flags for them before I continued on my way and did my run around to try looking at, at everything and capture as much information as I could before uh, before knocking off. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I did do a little bit of the, the wireless CTF. I also competed in the, the social engineering CTF as well, um, uh, which is always a lot of fun. Um, we did actually have an Australian come second place right. in that one. Um, a, a young lady, she's based out of Melbourne, um, very unassuming, but uh, did an incredible job um, uh, during her... Um, uh, during her uh, twenty minutes social engineering. And so, what was the? Oh, so it was all it was audio based um, social engineering, right? Yeah, yeah. So the the, the way the, the social engineering CTF works is uh, it's in two uh, phases. So, firstly, you have to uh, gather information that is open source and readily available on the organisation. Uh, off the back of which, you then have to uh, provide or conduct phone calls to validate the information that you required. So it's uh, so presumably these are, these companies so were have agreed to do this and subject their employees to it ethically, I guess. N- oh, no, right. no, actually, it's uh, yeah, that's right. not the case, and and it's it's kind of one of those curiosities uh, that um, uh, that um, the the organisers have had, and and you know, one thing they've had to maintain quite tightly for the last right. ten years is um, any information acquired is is not private or personal in nature. Um, you know, other rules are around you. You're not here to victimise uh, other human beings. Um, you're also uh, not to make phone calls from positions of authority. Um, and so uh, just those, uh, all those little factors uh, when they come into play um, make for a, uh, you know, it, it means that you actually have to have a lot of skill and a lot of tact, and so you have to really level up your game when you're making those phone right. calls. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, an experience. Some people get some people. In fact, I did have a question from a gentleman in the, in the audience who was upset that I uh, that my pretext uh, had involved a a legitimate Australian company. And it's a case of okay, uh, but. It kind of comes back to you're an actor playing a role, and you're doing this 
uh, as a means to understand and uh, improve the world and, and leave things in a better place than when you found them. Um, and the, the education that Chris has actually been able to, so Chris Hagner, who, who runs the uh, competition, the education that's come off the back of uh, these, the actual social engineering CTF has been phenomenal. Um, and it's certainly informed uh, me and a lot of things that, that I do. And if you had to develop your own section of DEF CON, um, what would you do? Like what would be something that a new thing that you'd want to um, have a whole haul to yourself um, demonstrating on or? Um, I, I actually couldn't <laughs> tell you. Um, nothing immediately comes to mind. I, I think maybe a, a historical section, but if you already look at it, uh, the, there's already a, a, a sizable archive of, uh, talks in history uh, that that are readily available on on YouTube or by the the DefCon website. Um, so you mean like a history of DefCon you know, or um, its its development or resources well, from the past? Well, probably even probably more so resources uh, yeah. from the past. I, I think this, this was a, a chat I had with a fellow um, uh, pen tester a few uh, years ago where. Um, and in fact, I, I mentioned it to one of my staff when we found a, a really weak network. Um, if you go back 15 years, um, the vulnerabilities you'd be able to identify and play around with um, and do so in a, a short, succinct period of time uh, were a, a phenomenal education piece. And I think that past is something that, um, that has shaped a lot of us uh, in this industry. And I don't think there's as many opportunities for that uh, as there, as there once were. I mean, that being said, uh, that being said, a lot of the CTS and all of the challenges, and even the uh, the workshops that I had done, uh, all have an education component to them, and and a lot of them are informed by that history. But I think to, to have something a, a little bit more tacit and a little bit less of, hey, well, this is just a simulated environment. Um, this is actually what happened. Uh, it would be interesting, but you know, I I already think that there's there is a lot to DefCon, um, and there's already a really rich tapestry that exists. It's you know find a way to contribute within that. Um, and any other amazing controversies that we all need to know about in the rest of the world? They're only breaking out of Vegas right now, or um, nothing major. I think. One of the things I love doing when I'm there is walking the halls and, and you know, the, the talks will talk through what's happening uh, or what has happened in the last 12 months, uh, whereas the conversations you have with people uh, will either be what they're doing for the next 12 months or uh, you will have a, a phenomenal idea for what you and a friend are going to do in the next right. 12 months. Um, so uh, and a friend and I have just started to design a, uh, a, a little thing that will be, uh, you know, we've given ourselves a few months. It'll just be a little side project, but uh, yeah, watch this space. We'll, we'll have a bit of fun with it. Great. Sounds good. Um, so, yeah. you think you get much sleep now on the flight, or are you going to try and work through the to do list already? <laughs> no, well, I've, I've actually got student papers right. to mark. <laughs> so, I'm going to use that to help reset the body clock before landing in Sydney and going to. For a full day of work. Right. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out um, from the from the Lax Lounge to give us a, a very 
recent review <laughs> of DEFCON 27. And um, thanks again. And look, um, have a great flight. And um, we'll touch base with you when you get back. Fantastic. Well, uh, Tom, thanks for the call. That's this week's episode of Password123. Don't forget to join me next fortnight for another episode. And for more information, just Google UNSW Canberra Cyber. I'm Tom Sear. Thanks for listening. <laughs>